I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast, this podcast, this podcast is Intel Enhanced. Hello. This is really weird. Well, there's two or three things that's weird about it. First, we're in the same room together, recording this. Second, for these listeners, they're actually going to hear some reasonable quality audio. (laughs) Because the audio has been suspicious. Well, last week was terrible. Yeah, which is nobody's fault, really. Your mic just seemed to make a lot of noise. Do you know what I think it was? Um, Because we talked about this before. I think it's those headphones. Yeah, it must be. There's just something in the mic that's clacking around, um, isn't it? They're just not... Good. Mm. Um, I've put food into my mouth quickly before we started recording, yes, so good. not to overstep yeah. the mark. I mean, it wasn't just food, it was crisps. Yeah, yeah. It would have been horrific. It would have been a lot of noise, especially with this high quality audio mm. that we're now exactly. We're now got. Um, so, I mean, there's still some crisps left in the bag, no. but I'm not going to well go done. near them. Don't. Now, I was thirsty just before we kicked off. Yes. And there was two cans of Coke open. Yeah. A Coke Zero and a full fat Coke. And you've mixed them? I've done a mixer. And? It tastes like Coke. Yeah, because I think Coke Zero tastes like Coke. It does, but I just didn't want too many calories. But I also wanted to be a bit naughty. So I've done a mixer. Do you know, your, your little, your idiosyncrasies are some of my favourite things. The things that you do... You never cease to amaze me. Yeah. Like, you're always interesting. You are never boring. This is so... <laughs> like, who mixes Coke and Coke Zero together because they want to be a little bit naughty, yeah. but they don't want too many calories? I don't know who else does that, but it seems like the fitting thing to do. I love it. Great. It tastes all right. Do you know what I've noticed? is If you pour in normal Coke, you get a fizz. Pour in Coke Zero, you get a lot of fizz. It's a lot yes. more fizzy. Yes. I mean... Um, interestingly, I have, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I've been seeing a vocal coach because uh, my vocal cords were slightly under strain and I was going a bit raspy sometimes, um, especially if I was out in a loud situation, like Nightclub. when we went, oh, I mean, remember that? Remember when, when we clubs? went out mm. with Andy? I think we've mentioned Andy possibly in every single podcast we've ever done. Yeah, he said we should give somebody else some but we can't because he's like part he, of the fabric of our life. He's the dude, right? He's the dude. Anyway, so the last time we went out with Andy, I had I had a horse voice for about three days. I had a horse <laughs> for lunch the yeah, next day. There's a lot of shouting. No. Um, and so when I spoke to the lady about my voice, she said, fizzy drinks, no. Yeah. Bad. It's very I was really that, sad about that. Mm. Um, there's something I was going to talk about in this podcast, which I've listened to uh, driving here today, which are these Oxford Union addresses from various people. That, you like uh, those? You I do mention like those a lot. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know if anyone's interested in uh, listening to something that might make you think, then they're really good. But Stephen Fry did one, and I think he, I think he's talking about it in this one, or it's another interview anyway. But 
he talks about grown-ups drinking fizzy drinks and how <laughs> ludicrous it is. That, um, that oh God, I can't remember the word he used, but it's, it's a play on infant, infantile, like... Infantilizing? Infantilizing. We live in an infantilized society where we're all still children, really. Nobody's growing up and we eat crisps and drink fizzy drinks, big red cups of fizzy pop and stuff like that. Yeah, we're this is up. British. Yeah, totally. They don't do that in France. They do it in America, though. They do it worse yes. than us in America. Absolutely. And, and he makes a point that America leads and we tend to follow. But it, it is interesting. Actually, really they don't do it worse than us. I would say probably the same percentage of people in America yeah, there's lots more do, do, you know, crisps mm. and fizzy drinks. And I am one of those people. Mm. I'm not um, dissing... But Those I, people. I did, it did really make me laugh. Because it's true. Yeah, yeah, it certainly seems very true to me. Again. It's one of those things that makes you laugh because you think, oh, mm. yes. I am that child. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I tell you something really weird? Yeah. Um, that uh, there was a phase when I was heading into puberty when I started, I bought a baby bottle. Really? And I started drinking my drinks out of a baby bottle. Wow. How like old chocolate you, like milk. 13, 14? 12? No, 11, okay. 12. Okay. And is this it's like a subliminal way of hanging on to your childhood? I don't know. It must have been, mm. right? Psychologically. Not, not and also, I was um, hanging on to my childhood, but also at a very difficult phase of my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. And I felt my sister was hitting 18. And I felt like she was suddenly going to a new life yeah. and leaving me. And ah, I didn't okay. know, like, I just sort of didn't know what was going on. Um, so it, but weird, right? That it's, is quite it, weird. I can't believe I actually said that out loud. Yes, I know. I mean, I, this is a story in the Daily Mail. I mean, Esther I, Perel yeah. would have a complete field day with that. Now, just behind you over there, I've accidentally left the freezer door ajar and that is giving me high anxiety. Uh, so could you kick that short? You. When you say high anxiety, what does it remind you of? Uh, high Fidelity, the song from Fame. It reminds me of Mel Brooks. Is it? High anxiety! <laughs> What's that in the producers or something? I think so. Uh, okay. I'm just going to have to look yeah, that up. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Um, I mean... God, I, I could drift off into a whole wormhole. You know there's a whole season of Kirby Enthusiasm where he plays the lead in The Producers? No. Yeah. Mel Brooks gets him to play the lead in The Producers. He moves to New York and he, he starts rehearsing with... Who's the guy from Along Came Polly? Um, ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. And then Ben Stiller has to leave because he can't put up with Larry David anymore. And David Schwimmer takes over. Um, but it is a superb series. And the final episode is him performing the producers in front of Mel Brooks and his wife. I think, is it a film called Han High Anxiety? Well, I've no idea. I've never heard of it before. High Anxiety, original soundtrack. Well, maybe it is. It's a That's great phrase, High Anxiety. It's got a, it rolls off the tongue in a really nice way. Yeah. It is funny, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I've been listening to lots of lectures online recently from various academics from the 70s. <laughs> Mel Brooks was really funny. Yeah. But, Sorry, but, carry on. No, no, I am but listening. It's just the idea that, that there's probably th things and subjects in that play, High Anxiety, that 
still completely and utterly relevant today. Yes. It's like we're on a massive loop of just repeating the same things that make us feel the same way. You know? But but this is what was so incredible about reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius or any of the God. Stoic, you know, the book yeah. you gave me, the Stoic <laughs> readings. You think this is from... 2,000 years old. 2,000 years ago and it's still completely the relevant. same shit. Mm. We're talking about... Yeah, it is, it is interesting how nothing's moved on in the sense that we all, we're all still riddled with certain bits of anxiety that we can't shake off. We're worried about the same things that people were worried about. What do you worry about? Probably still just making enough money to survive, really. I think that's probably... And I realise that I've been through periods in my life where I've been much wealthier. And I'm not necessarily happier, but there is a... There is a sense that, uh, I, that there's more freedom when you've got more money. Um, Burt Reynolds, I think, famously said, I've been unhappy and poor and unhappy and rich, and I'd much rather be unhappy and rich any day. And I think, oh yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing that niggles me the most, is that I might break my arms or and not be able to work and not be able to provide. I think that's still the I'd I'd make you some, some scissor hands. Okay. Like Edward scissor hands. Mm. So, so you could still, get, still out get out there. Yeah, well, that would be great. I mean, that's a great relief. That's removed a large portion. Listen, of you know I've got your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to be okay. Absolutely. We're going to get through this. Yeah. I'd say my biggest worry mm -hmm. is my kids, and they're all brilliant, but, like, I just... Mm. I always worry that, are, are they going to be okay? <laughs> I guess because I was such a troubled kid. Yeah. You know, you, you, I love it when you tell me stories of your childhood. Mm. And I did have fun in my childhood. But the minute I hit my teenage years, I just remember it just being very dark. I was just very... And I, I did have a laugh. Yeah. I'm sure my friends would be able to tell me about loads of fun times, but I just remember overall feeling of kind of... Well, anxiety. We're talking about that again. Um, it's, it's funny you should mention that. Let me just... I'm going to look something up because there's a really good book I read um, a while back. Um, that I thought was really uh, funny. Oh, it looks like it's a podcast as well now. It's called Where Did It All Go Right? And it's by Andrew Collins, who's quite a famous journalist, I think. But I really loved this book. It really made me laugh. And it's basically called Growing Up Normal in the 70s. And it was about his life, really. And it was a play on the idea that most books you read about people's lives were quite traumatic and bloody awful. Someone had been sexually abused or abducted or their father had died or they'd been in a horrific car crash. You know, the, they were all stories of struggle. And this isn't that. It's an antidote to that. It's a story of like, life was brilliant. My childhood, there's nothing to complain about. Here it is. And you just read it chapter after chapter and think, oh my God, that sounds like such good fun. Oh, that sounds brilliant. It's a really good read. It gets uh, a 79 ratings. It's got um, three and three and a half uh, stars on uh, Amazon. I mean, your overall view on your childhood was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was really good fun. I mean, I wanted to replicate that for my own kids, really. I didn't want it to be any more or any less than that. Um, but I grew up on, a, on an estate, and that was brilliant. I mean, if you want to raise kids, move to an estate. Because mm. there's just loads of other kids. And then there's loads as of long adventure. as the estate's safe. Because oh, there yeah, are yeah. lots of estates around Britain that are really heavy. Yeah, yeah. Or can be really frightening places. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was a, a lower middle class estate. It wasn't like a, 
the council housing estate or social housing or anything like but that. But it's not even necessarily about the housing. It's like about mm. if if you get two or three dealers in there, it suddenly just gets a whole new energy. Of yeah, like the funny thing is I, I mm. didn't experience drugs in my hometown, uh, like being passed around until I was about 22. There was, there was very little of it. You go back now, it's So everywhere. do you think it's a just, oh, it's everywhere. Oh, it's everywhere now, yeah. yeah, everywhere. But I mean, at the time, people smoked resin, you know, cannabis resin. Yeah. And that was happening late on in school. But that was it. There was nothing else going on. So do you think that's a modern plague? Yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's probably one of the worst things that's happened over mm. the last 15 to 20 years. But I go back to my hometown now for a night out and drugs are everywhere. I can't mm. believe it, you know. And everybody mm. looks shattered. <laughs> they look They've been exhausted up yeah. for, for two <laughs> months. months. Yeah, um, and it's a real, it's a crying shame, really. But anyway, that book's well worth a read. Okay. If you want something jolly to read, yeah. it's really good. It's called Where Did It All Go Right? And as I put that in there, it looks like there's a podcast as well. Whether it's his podcast or not, I don't know. But but um, also sometimes I think that we are all guilty of seeing what we went through. And I, just as I was saying, you know, it was tough. My childhood. There were some really. I was thinking about all my mm. friends at secondary school and how much fun we had and how naughty we were and mm. how, you know, maybe I should see it as there were down times, but generally speaking, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You've kind of slightly made me reframe <laughs> what, go on. So I was just remembering it. So as I was leaving primary school and going to high school, you had the summer holidays. Yeah. And I was going to this big school called Balshaw's High School. Yeah. It was, a, you know... It Were was, you excited? I was very excited. Yeah. I was going to big school, proper uniform yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't have to wear a uniform in primary school or anything, you know. Um, but they were building a new geography block and a new history block, I think, and a new gym and stuff like that at the school. And, I mean, if me and my mates saw a building site, we were on it like nobody's business. It was basically <laughs> just a massive playground, right, to chuck stuff around, steal scaffolding boards, set fire to stuff and all that. So we went on to this... this the, the new school that we were going to and we were dicking about like digging holes in the sand you know running up these uh, scaffolding poles and stuff like that I mean deadly stuff stuff you would get that the building contractor would be fired for immediately you know like nowadays but you could just go and play on these things so I remember doing that and then I remember this um, old Volkswagen Passat I think it was come screaming into the car park <gasps> of the thing and then started to drive towards us and it was me and my mate Wadey and Wadey bolt, bolts one way and I'm thinking, God, where am I going to go? So I jumped down off the scaffolding and I'm running up the school field, like across the, the football pitches. And the car's coming across the field no. to me. Yeah. Right, right, oh right up to me. I funk in his horn. He came straight up, just oh about, God. I mean, literally oh just God. about over of it. And I, I like put my hands on the bonnet as he screeched to a help. You, know, and you can imagine how, I mean, I'm small now. Mm. What am I? I'm 11 at this point. Oh my God. There's urine coming out of me, oh. you know, like I'm like, ah. Did you and piss he gets yourself? out and he said, are you coming to this school in oh September? Oh and I was like, yes, yes, yes. And he went, I will be waiting for you. <gasps> and I literally spent the whole summer, like my heart pounding. He was called Mr. Hardwick. He was a deputy head. <gasps> and when I got there, on the day he came <gasps> and found me and took me into his office. Oh, and he actually had a, friend, a very, very friendly chat with me. Um, but I, God, well, I'd forgotten all about this, but just looking back and chasing me over the school fields in this car. And I could see him, you know, he's demented, <laughs> steering wheel. I was thinking, my God, Mum, Mum. Oh, God, all right. And then he kept, kind of kept an eye on me throughout school. He Are you was very, me? no, he was very small, like five foot. 
And I was this tiny little lad, so maybe you just thought, oh, he's a little, and I'll keep my eye on him, you know. Oh, my God, don't you? I so, love the way you tell stories. Yeah, well, he was great, Mr. Hardwick, he was called, so. That's so but, cute. Mr. Hardwick will still be alive. Yeah, I think he could well be, yeah. He could well be, but oh, yeah. Someone very, very find fantastic. Mr. Hardwick for us. We want to get Michael and Mr. Hardwick mm. in touch with each other. And, and very sadly, Wadey, who I was with, he yeah. died of a heart attack when he was about 41. Do you know, it's terrible how many people start when you when you hit 40 mm-hmm. suddenly friends start yeah. going don't they it's really sad really, you know um anyway we drifted well off piece there but it really just reminded me of that story i didn't want to forget it because it was it, it's such a nice memory uh, that i loved the building site as a kid um what are you going to talk to us about I've, I've, i'm bringing one thing great um but that one thing as you know could sort of spark off a few other things it will um but I want to talk um, sex education mm-hmm. um, because, well, I did, a, I did a documentary back in 2007, which you probably remember. I do you're remember gonna, You're going to do a mix again because I really liked it. I've you already like drunk mix, some yeah. of it. Yeah, it was Sorry, very I'm nice. just pouring cokes. It's fine, don't worry. Um, so you I, went to, I remember you going to Amsterdam. And, I did. And talking to people I went to there. Holland. Okay, it's just fascinating, yeah. Um, so I did this uh, three-hour-long documentaries, which they did show in schools um, and it was called Let's Talk Sex. We also did a book. Um, I did a, a book with this lady called Anita, and she and I co-wrote this book about sex education. And when I started it, I had three young kids, so Chester would have been one. Um, and my thing was, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell the girls about sex and relationships because it would sexualize them, and I yeah. don't want to sexualize them Mm-hmm. before they're 14 or 50. I mean, I want to keep them innocent for as long as I can. Yeah. And what I found out, firstly, was that there was no official sex education in the British education system, mm-hmm. which horrified me, because I mm-hmm. thought, well, if I'm not telling them, how are they learning? Yeah. What, and where are they going to learn? And mm-hmm. what should they learn if we've got no guidance? Yeah. There was this new thing at the time called PSHE, which we all now know and love. Um, but sex and uh, relationship education did not have to be part of that PSHE. And there were various um, religious groups or um, uh, cultural groups that didn't agree with sex education happening um, at school, that they felt that they should be teaching their kids about sex. Mm. But I learned, and bearing in mind that I was coming at it from a a point of view where I didn't particularly want my kids learning about sex and relationships too early either, I learned over um, six months that actually the more you talk to children about, and it's not necessarily the sex part, but relationships and fostering healthy relationships Mm. and teaching them about love and what is love and the different types of love that you can have um, and between friends and between siblings and between mummies and daddies and why is that different? And I went to Holland to go and see how they were doing it over there. And our teenage pregnancy rate was through the yes. roof. And Holland's was really low. And I asked the question, well, what are they doing differently? Mm-hmm. And they were teaching sex and relationships uh, education lessons uh, at five years old. And I was like, what? That is terrible. I don't understand. Anyway, we took three 15-year-old teenagers, 
from the mm -hmm. UK school system and we took them out to Holland. And first of all, we all sat in on a lesson of five-year-olds learning about um, love. And it was really interesting. They sat in a circle, mm -hmm. they did kind of circle time, and they all talked about what does love feel like, how does it make you feel, what is love, not one mention of sex. So this isn't about sex or mummies and daddies having sex. It's okay. not about that at all. So they start sex and relationship education by discussing relationships. Mm -hmm. It's about what are the different kinds of relationships and that the love between a brother and a sister and friends might be different between, from the love between a mummy and a daddy. Right. And why, like, what yes. is that? But not about sex. Not, it wasn't yeah, yeah. mentioned once. Then they had a really good lesson about consent which was where they made they made them pair up and then you'd lie down on the floor with a big piece of paper and pencil and um they would say uh, do you mind if i touch you at all with the pen and the pencil and if the child said yes i don't want you to touch me yeah. you would draw quite a big line around the outside and if the friend said i don't care yeah. then you'd just be kind of you know touching every night mm -hmm. but that was about consent how do you feel about somebody being that close to you do you feel comfortable um you can say no if you want someone to stop drawing it was really yeah. fascinating the mm -hmm. way it was done and i met this incredible woman there who then took me to a secondary school class. Now, these were 11-year-olds, and this, this class shocked me. So they had um, all put anonymous questions into an um, empty tissue box the day before, and, mm. and the teacher was just going to answer them. And bearing in mind, Where I was, was at, at a secondary school in Holland. In Holland, okay. So I was with three 15-year-old students from mm. the UK. They just started giggling away mm -hmm. and them giggling sort of started me giggling but i was looking at these kids while these extremely um explicit questions were being asked mm. out but questions that you could really understand like can you get pregnant from sticking your finger up someone's ass or yeah. can you um if if someone's come in you can you get pregnant i mean just a lot of questions you thought my God, like, you want to know that. How do you even, yeah. yes, yeah. how do you even know what that means? Yeah. Like, how do you know that's a thing? Mm. But none of the kids in that class were laughing. They were all fascinated. Then the next stage I went to mm. was the youth club. And I went to the youth club. It was a load of kids, 14, 15 years old. And once a month, so really regularly, this is on top of their school education. Yeah. They've got a sex um, therapist who comes down to the club and she uh, gives away free condoms and she teaches everybody how to put a condom on mm. and do you know what when I went I mean I'd had three children so it was a bit late in the day for condoms but yeah I had forgotten how to put on a condom yeah. I'd forgotten you have to pinch the tip yeah yeah pinch the tip and then roll it down mm. and obviously she made me do it I wasn't as good as the kids um, then I said to the sex expert like or sex therapist what what um, what age would be the average age of kids in um, Holland losing their virginity. And I thought it must be young. They're also yeah, yeah. like knowledgeable. And she went, it's 17. Wow. 17. And, uh, and she said, but the great thing is from all the data that we have, that generally speaking, it is 17, but it is the, in the context of a relationship. Okay. So it's not just Random a shag at a party sex, yeah. or casual sex. It is... I've been dating you for 
you know, couple of months. We'd like it to take it to the next stage. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I talked to mothers. Um, I met an amazing mother in the UK because by this point I was thinking everything I've learned is mm. wrong. Yeah. Everything I've taught myself is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so then at this stage, I um, went to go and meet some parents and I met some parents who were very worried like me. Mm-hmm. And we, we had long chats about what I'd learned. And I also met a woman who, whose daughter was a 16 and a half. She'd been with a boy for six months. She talked to her mum about how she wanted to sleep with him for the first time. The mum organized to go um, out mm-hmm. um, for the night no, for the evening, and she was going to come back at like midnight or something and just let herself in quietly. She'd got candles, she'd bought condoms to make sure that the daughter, she'd put the daughter on the pill, because um, in Holland they say go double Dutch. Double okay. Dutch is condom and pill. Okay. The pill will protect you from pregnancy and the condom will protect you from STDs. Yeah. And, um, and I, again, for me, mm-hmm. I was like, this is... That is crazy that you are having that conversation mm. with your daughter. But it made sense. Like, your daughter's in a safe place. She's with someone she loves. She knows she's safe. Yeah. She's got what she needs to stay safe. Mm-hmm. She's in her environment. You know the guy. Mm-hmm. I thought, God, if that's how it could be, that yeah. would be the most amazing thing. So... After I'd learned all of this stuff, um, and um, Chester, in fact, I recorded most of this documentary while I was very, very early pregnant. So then I went on and I had Chester. And I um, asked the therapist lady, because Holly started saying to me, how did Chester get in your tummy? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do I say? I don't want to, like, what language do I use? She's five. And she said, there's an author who's written a few really good books on it. And and in fact, there's a few authors who have written some amazing books for five, six, seven-year-olds. And um, I highly recommend them to you. And one of them was called Babette Cole. And this book I have read to all of my children. Mm -hmm. And it words it so brilliantly. (laughs) And it's called Mummy Laid an Egg. Okay. And the concept is, Mm -hmm. she does all the illustrations. So Babette Cole sadly passed away in uh, 2017. She was only 66. She went to art school. She is an amazing illustrator. They are really funny, her illustrations. And she's also done a book called Hair in Funny Places about puberty Puberty, and stuff. But Mummy Laid an Egg is, um, the parents are trying to talk um, sex ed to the kids. And they're saying, you know, actually you came out of a tube Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we found you under a rock. Um, actually, we, we got you in a hole and we dug you out of a hole and there was the baby. And the kids are rolling around laughing yeah. and they're going, Mum and Dad, we don't think you know where babies come from, <laughs> so let us show you. So they start drawing diagrams. Ah, okay. And it says that Daddy's got a tube, mm-hmm. which I thought was like a brilliant... Well, it's funny you say this. My mum described it as a series of tubes when I was a baby. Mm. When, I, well, when I was a baby, but I remember asking her probably when I was five or six, mm. and she said, "Daddy has a tube. Mummy has a tube." So it's really weird. So she said, "This one was really good. He's got a tube and two seed pods mm-hmm. that sit outside his body." Okay. And um, the tube 
fits in mummy. That's all it said. The tube fits in mummy. Right. Doesn't say where or yeah. how. The tube fits in mummy, and then the seeds from the seed pods go go through the tube and into mummy. Mm -hmm. They find an egg, and they make a baby. And I thought, wow, this is. When I read it on my own before yeah. I read it to Holly, I thought this is just going to be fraught with questions. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I mean, she's just going to ask me endless questions. We read the book together, she looked at the pictures, and I finished reading that bit. And she just went, okay. And next page, I didn't get one question, like it was enough. Okay. She asked the question, mm -hmm. how did it get in there? This was how it got in there. That was Daddy's seed from his yeah. seed pods went through the tube and mm -hmm. found the egg. That was enough yeah. at that time. Mm -hmm. There was double page in it. Which I'm gonna, next time you come to the okay. house, I'm going to show you, which will really make you laugh. Because <laughs> double it page said, spread. Yes. <laughs> and it is a double page spread because the kids go, here are all the fun ways that mums and dads can fit together. And it's two pages. And the mums and the dads have both got like party hats on. Mm -hmm. And what are those things like? Yeah, like a kazoo. Little kazoos or party yeah. things yeah. in their mouths. And they're basically in loads of different sexual positions. But in party hats. In, in like party hats or on a or on a space hopper or like on a sofa like but cartoon stick yes. people. So I looked at it and I thought I skipped that page for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I thought I'm just gonna show because I think the concept behind that was that when mummies and daddies fit together it's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Daddy putting his tube into mummy yeah. doesn't hurt or anything. It's yeah, not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, God, that's clever. Mm. And then at the last page it says, and all the other animals in the animal kingdom do the same thing. Yeah. And then it's like all the other animals and their little baby animals. I thought, this book is amazing. So I've literally read it to all of my children. And it's a brilliant way if you don't know what words to use. Yes. There's another great one. Nicholas Allen is a really, really um, great author for this. He's written two that I used for the kids. One was More and More Rabbits. So the concept with More and More Rabbits was that mummy and daddy rabbit were absolutely shattered. They'd had so many baby rabbits. They just didn't know what to do with themselves. And they didn't want any more baby rabbits. Yeah. So they went to bed one night and they said, right, we're not going to have any more baby rabbits. And they woke up the next morning and they still had baby rabbits. They had more baby rabbits. Yeah. So then she was oh, like, look, I'm so tired. Mummy mm. rabbit said, I'm going to go and sleep in a separate bed. And there were no more baby rabbits. 
and then they decided that they were fine again and mummy t- mummy rabbit had some sleep so they got back into the same bed mm-hmm. and they had more rabbits and i thought the clever thing about that was that somebody realized that when two people sleep together yeah you can make the baby rabbits okay. i mean it's like a really basic yeah yeah first pe- page yes. one of procreation yeah and then the other one was quite literally called where willie went um, but Willie was the name of a sperm. But what's really sweet is kids don't really care what a sperm is. Or no, where yeah. it goes. But it was a great sperm race to the egg. Mm. And when it, he dived into the egg when he got there, he beat Butch, the other sperm. Yeah. And the other millions and millions of sperm. And he got to the egg first and uh, <laughs> made it. So I would recommend More and More Rabbits and Where Willie Went by Nicholas Allen and Mummy Laid an Egg by Babette Cole. Very good. Very um, good. And also on Babette's Cole's um, web page, um, you can find original pieces of her artwork, and they are actually for sale. Mm. And her illustrations are gorgeous, really, really sweet. Oh, good, good. Um, that sounds great. I mean, it's been funny raising two boys, you know, and talking to them about sex. And I sat in on one of their, um, when they were in primary school, the last year of primary school, I can't remember what that's called anymore. What year seven is it? Mm. Um, and uh, you, you know, and the kids were asked to, mm. to ask the teachers all sorts of questions, and I was amazed how liberal and open-minded the kids were, and how much of an easy conversation it was. I was giggling quite a lot at the back of the room. Obviously, thought it was hilarious. Um, but I guess the world's changed quite a bit, really. I mean, it's interesting. I've been listening to this um, this chap on uh, the YouTube's uh, called Thomas Sowell. And he's an economist and a social theorist, and he's at Stanford. He's a professor at Stanford, but he's been around for a long, long time. If you type him into the YouTube's, he'll he'll go. You know, his work goes back to the sixties. He's now in his nineties, but he's still writing books and he's still um, doing lectures and giving interviews. Amazingly bright uh, fella. He is obviously an academic. He's black, and I say that because he talks a lot about black culture and how that's changed over the years. But one of the things he does talk about a bit about is sex education as well in American schools. And how, so what does he say? Well, he thinks it's been extremely damaging. Um, and that's what's been quite interesting by listening to you, because I can't imagine that teaching people anything should be damaging. I can only imagine the way it's being taught is damaging. Because when you talk about the idea of teaching people about relationships and love and all the rest of it, there's nothing more that will that will affect your life than a relationship, whether it be a good one or a bad one. Mm. It's going to guide you in all sorts of different ways to either choose one job over another job, live in one place over another place, live in one part of the world over another part of the world, which will dictate a whole bunch of stuff to your life. But it really boils down to wanting to be with somebody or not wanting to be with somebody. And I just don't even understand why schools don't just dedicate one lesson a week to relationships. And, you know, one they, every everything. few months, it is everything. Everything. And, yes. But PSHE is kind of that, but I just don't think they do it often enough. Mm. And I think because it's never really been... I'm, not, I'm still not sure if it's even part of the curriculum now. I mean, mm. schools can choose to opt in or out, but the... But the, I mean, I got massively slammed um, for doing this documentary in 2007 for, you know, taking did it you? too far. And um, the mail did a whole thing about, yeah. you know, I'm promoting children of five to learn about anal sex. I mean, I just wasn't yeah, <laughs> saying yeah. that at all, but it all gets spun out of. Oh, and yeah, those yeah. are the kind of headlines that I think, well, and I understand governments are terrified. The, the, well, the, the, 
There's a, an endless contradiction because one of the problems the press will also write about is the rate of teenage pregnancy. Yet when you go and say, well, let's educate a bunch of kids about it, they'll say, well, you can't teach children about this because mm. it's, it's outrageous and it's, um, mm. you know, it's, it's degrading to, to young people or it's degrading to women. To, But well, I also think that it, very importantly, it's teaching, it, it's really important to teach kids about sex in the context of a loving relationship. Yes. I mean, my big thing that I wanged on to my girls about is that, you know, they might not understand it now, but their virginity is a very precious and lovely thing and you only get to give it to one person. Mm. And, you know, if you can save that for somebody you really care about, it will mean a lot more. Mm. Uh, and now that they're older, they, they get that. They understand that it is something mm. that... Um, is is a precious is yeah. a precious thing and and I'm really pleased about that and that's because continually through their life I've talked about sex being a good thing but when it's in the context of a loving relationship yeah. casual sex does yes. not make you feel good I no. mean it might for a guy I don't it? know yeah. but for for a woman in oh. particular I think yeah it's not good no I agree um, he's he's well worth having a listen to this Thomas Sowell uh, chap. He's really fascinating. How do you spell Sowell? S O W E L L. And he's a professor at Stanford, but I think it was Harvard for a long time. But he's got a fa- fascinating stories. He, he, he was made an orphan at a very young age, and he was adopted. He's had a, a hell of a kind of life uh, and managed to, you know rise to the greatest heights of being a university professor and an author of many many books but he's brilliant to listen to even if you don't agree with him and i'm sure there'll be quite a few people that don't agree with him on some things but he's it's a man of fact to listen to people oh you God. don't agree with yeah isn't it yeah absolutely but he said in the 60s there was this huge campaign by the media to 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 uh, change this teenage pregnancy problem that was happening and they did this by introducing sex education into schools it was mandatory across america and of course, subsequently since then, um, STDs rose enormously in the next two decades and teenage pregnancies never been they're worse. they're not educating them properly. Though. Well, that's the point. It's like, it's not to say, well, don't educate them at all. But clearly the education that's happening is not correct. Uh, and then, I of also learned huge, other huge social changes that went on around that, that time as well. In America, they were, sorry, I talked over the end of that. That was interesting. But there were other social changes happening in America. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, all the time. Well, the introduction of the birth control pill and all of that stuff mm. would have changed. Mm, everything. Everyone's relationship. And I think that's why stop. double dutch is so important. Yeah, the birth yeah. control pill will not stop you getting an STD. Yeah. It might stop you having a baby, but it won't yeah. stop you getting... Well, he, he had some statistics to say that gonorrhea and syphilis had, had dropped in the 40s, 50s and 60s. It had gone down by 20% year on year. So... STDs were on the massive decline until the late 60s. And there was a, this huge correlation between sex education and a huge rise in syphilis and gonorrhea. Because in um, the UK, they've gone down and down and down unless you're in your 50s. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's fascinating. Because lots of people in their 50s are having sex again and they don't want to use condoms because yeah. they haven't used condoms all their married lives or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, okay, God, yeah. that is fascinating. Um, but also, the, well, in America, mm-hmm. um, there were some amazing stats about kids um, who... There was a whole movement back in 2007 of kids wearing the silver ring. Um, so you would wear a silver ring on this finger, I think, yeah. to say that you were a child of God and that you were going to save yourself oh, until wow. you got married. And 
the whole thing was that was they you know full of chastity and grace yeah but if you went to a party and you got really pissed and you had sex with somebody firstly you're not on the pill because you've yeah. made this promise pact with god yeah. to not have sex and so you don't tell anybody you're totally ashamed mm -hmm. you've done this thing drunk yeah. not thinking straight <laughs> You don't tell anybody, no morning after pill, nothing, yeah. and then you get pregnant. So the teenage pregnancy amongst people who'd made the pact with God to be yeah. devout and... Well, the other thing I can imagine for young, young boys uh, or men, um, as I remember, would be that you would become a target wearing that ring. You know, mm. it would be, can I conquer this? Yes, exactly, you know, yes. It would be a, a deadly combination. Mm. Um, so you're recommending those books, essentially. They are brilliant. Uh, on the back of that, mm. dovetails nicely, is a new Tim Minchin song. Oh, great. Um, yes, I think I know what yes. you're talking now, about. Now, we, we heard this when we went to see him last year, and I just thought this song was absolutely superb, because I can imagine he's been propositioned millions of times on tour when he's miles away from home. He obviously likes a drink and a glass of wine. He's extremely charismatic and, um, you know, just... Uh, a wonderful talker, great stories, and obviously the talent that pours out of him. Even I would want to sleep with him. Um, <laughs> but he has written a new song that came out last week, and I will get the title right. I'm pretty sure it's called I'll Choose Lonely Tonight. And the story of the song is that he is propositioned by somebody. Um, let me just uh, double check. I'll Take Lonely Tonight, it's called. And... Um, the story is he, he gets propositioned and it's him fighting with his own conscience about whether he should go through with it or not. And of course, as the song tells you, is that he chooses to stay lonely and not go through with it. But I'll take lonely tonight Though I'm not denying I hate being alone even so, I know regret in the making You're one of those others I swore I'd forsake And although this extraction is taking A great act of will I got a girl, has my heart in a heart So though I am hungry and tempted, I'm sorry I'm not gonna bite. I'm gonna take lonely. It's absolutely superb. Like, I mean, I've gone goosebumps talking about it. But it's, um, it's exactly, I guess, uh, you know, it's similar to, to the theme we're already talking about here. But... One thing that's interesting about this song, I mean, he's a kind of devout atheist and has always been a bit of a card-carrying atheist and has written many songs that are, you could call, anti-religion. Um, there's a great one called The Good Book uh, that's well worth a listen mm. to. Obviously, there's uh, Fuck the Pope, uh, which is uh, also <laughs> worth a listen to. Um, and there's one... Even when um, you say that, you almost have to whisper it like... <laughs> yeah, did I? Did I say that? I didn't write the song, he did. And if you're going to have a go at anybody, then go on his Twitter and tell him about it. And, um, and there's another one called Thank You, God, um, which is about a, an eye problem that somebody's got and they pray to God and their eyes gets fixed and it's, a, it's ultimate proof that God exists. 
And that's also a, a brilliant song. But there is a religious metaphor in here that he seems to embrace, and I've never seen that before in him. And so what I'm wondering, is that? there's a slight shift. Well, he talks, um, there's two or three very brilliant lines in the song. One of them is, I'd rather murder than hurt her, which I think is very good. Uh, and also, there's one about Jesus uh, and his fasting uh, for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and only, and he says, if that was true, only if the devil had sent you. Um, meaning that he, what, what I like about it is he's slightly likening himself to Christ in the sense that he's fasting on this idea that he's not going to have sex with this person tonight. But the devil has sent her to tempt him, you know. And I just love the fact that he's, he's used religious metaphor uh, instead of just... It's like just Adam kind of, and Eve. Well, totally, yeah. You know, it, it dovetails into all that Jordan Peterson stuff as well. And which I always thought he would be totally anti, so it was very nice to hear that. Anyway, the lyrics are brilliant. It's a fantastic song, and it's great to hear something new from him. Mm. The only thing I wish that the rest of the band aren't in the song, because he starts on the piano and then the rest of the band join in, I really like him when it's him mm. and the piano. And when we saw him live, that's how he did the song. Um, so... I want to go to a gig. That was such an amazing gig. <sighs> Wasn't it just? I know. It was breathtaking. Well, probably a year away from, from, from a gig, that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think from being able to cram together in a small auditorium. I miss that. Mm. Um, but go and listen to that and also go and listen to anything else he's ever done. Because he's ever. Absolutely. Get in brilliant. a Tim Minchin wormhole, please. Um, so before lockdown, we went to a party at a house. So it was really good fun. Um, it was somebody's 50th and we had a lovely meal and lots of wine and drinks and stuff like that. And then it hit about 10 o'clock and the music's cracked up. Uh, there was a really great playlist, probably provided by you, because um, you're very good at disco playlists. I love playlists. Yeah. Um, and there was a speaker set up that was like semi-professional. There were tripods with speakers at ear height. It wasn't like a stereo system. It was a proper... And there was a little mixing desk there, and the computer was plugged into it, and everything was banging, essentially. Music banging. Music was, was great fun. Everybody was dancing. But there was one thing missing from that party. And yes. you know what that was? No. A, some kind of disco lighting effect. Yes. I mean, what is... That's a no-brainer. It's a total no-brainer. If you want people to really enjoy dancing... And it can just brighten up music. any room. God, it's crazy, right? On a, like, Saturday night, if you're in a crowded room and you put one of those on, it's instant... We're in a nightclub. And it, you, you could think that it's for kids. Yeah, easily. It's not for kids. Or it can be for kids, but it's also for you. It's also for us. It's the kitchen disco, basically. But you can't just do it with music. And you can't just turn the lights out and expect people to feel like they're in a nightclub. No. You need flashing, colourful lights. You need lights. flashing lights. Now, as you know, I'm in a band. And what I would say about my band is they're very good, but I am a bit of smoke and mirrors. I do a lot of swaggering around. I mean, That's I can sing. so great. Can, I, can yes. I just tell everybody something? Yeah, yeah, sure. That I have never been to one of your gigs. No. I know. I'm so upset about that. Well, they're trying to coax me back in the band. I left the band. Yeah, I went You've not left the band. I left the band. You've not left the band. I mean, I'm still in the WhatsApp group, but I did say, look, you know, I've left the band. But But have they they had any practices without you? Uh, No. Every time they say, shall we practice? I go, yeah, go on then. I'm up for that. Um, uh, So I I went this weekend and and did a little uh, practice. And um, 
you know, it was it, it was good fun. We did some new songs and things like that. We might actually try and write a song. We're <gasps> normally doing covers. Basically, what I've fallen out of love with performing, I think, was the thing. I still like playing. I just don't want to gig. I just want to play Why? music. I don't really know. I just... Just, you are such a performer. I know, but I'd rather like master the instruments properly and get a really good thing going. And once I feel like we've really mastered the songs or whatever it is we're going to do, then I'd be happy to perform. But the last time we played, it was just a bit shamble, shambolic, which is interesting because we're actually called the shambles. But um, I just thought, I don't want to do this again until, until we find some new songs. I anyway. remember you after that gig. Yes. And you weren't happy with it. No, I thought I'm not going to do it. But do you know what? Mm. I I feel like you want to go next level band. I do. Yeah. You, you don't want to just be a bit of a laugh, no. pub band. You'd quite like to be actually quite good. Yes, it'd be nice to play something and people go, bloody hell, they're tight or they're really I mean, that good. is practice. Yeah, exactly. So, Regular practice, band practice together. I'm totally up for that. Mm. What I'm not up for, which is what everybody else is up for, is let's get a gig in the diary. It's like, mm. no, 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 let's not get a gig in the diary. Mm. Let's just master five songs mm. really well. And we'll throw in sequences and looping pedals. And That's a good all idea. All that kind of stuff go. Anyway, the point I was doing about that is the fact that to mask my inability as a, as a musician is that mm. I have lots of disco lights in the band. Mm. I plug in, I bring four extension leads and I plug in a multitude of lights and lasers and smoke machines. Lasers? And have <laughs> yeah. you got lasers and smoke machines? Yeah, yeah. Well, this bodes very well <laughs> yeah, totally, for our right? future. Yeah, yeah. So but you, need, you need the smoke machine for the lasers because the of lasers course, need yeah. to refract through yeah. the smoke. Um, but anyway, I bought this thing. This, this goes on top of my keyboard at the front of the band. I mean, can I just say, that isn't just your average buy it at Flying Tiger, it whatever kind it's of called, is. Copenhagen. It's, it, it's, it's £20 from Amazon, this. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a, a big one, may it, I say. It's about the size of a cantaloupe melon. Yes. Would you say? A big grapefruit? Yes. Bigger than a grapefruit. Okay, it's, Isn't it? it's slightly bigger than a grapefruit, but smaller than a, a melon. Um, anyway, it's got a big dome on top of it and loads of little kind of refractions. There's lights inside it and then there's little LEDs that go around the side. You can put that on a coffee table and plug it in and that will fill a room with lights, flashing, moving, multicoloured lights but that I think, will make you feel like you're in a disco. I think we did our friends a disservice. We should just take that to every party we go to. Oh, totally. Like, I, I mean, I didn't know what kind of party we were going to. I thought it would just be a sit-down, eaty thing. I didn't. But think even if it was a sit-down, eaty thing, you know what we're like. Put some tunes on, we're off. We should have one of these in the car then. All the time. So whenever we turn up at someone's house, we, we take, take it with a us. bottle of champagne and yes. we'll say, what's that? And we'll say, we'll show you later. And then bang, they go, Oosh. oh my God. Back of the neck. I put on the bangers. You put on the bangers. The I put in the, the, the disco light. Instant party. Basically, people, if you've not got one of these lights in your house, then you've not got a house. You've not got mm. a complete package. Mm. It can brighten up literally any Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night into an absolutely banging What about Monday? Night. Have Monday off. Have a, have a breather on Monday. Mm. Monday's rubbish all round. Mm. You could put on the Boomtown Rats. On Monday, and then wait till Tuesday's like kicking. Mondays, um, tell me why. So yes, this one is this one I've got is twenty ninety nine from Amazon, but there's other ones I can see at ten ninety nine, twelve ninety nine. It's called Disco Light Solomorph fifty one LEDs party stage lights, twelve volts, blah blah blah. Um, it's really good. So I'm going to plug it into the room over there, and then I'll do a little video so people can see it in action. Okay. Every house should have one. Okay. That's Oosh. my recommendation. Back of the net. 
Now, we haven't got on to talking about anything. We haven't got much time left. So, um, um, Can minutes. I talk about, very quickly, um, the end of the fucking world? Well, uh, that's what I was going to talk about. We, we could talk... Have we got five minutes? Or shall I just say, everybody watch it, and we'll talk about it next week? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do... Because uh, I was going to talk about Alex Lawther, the guy who was in it. Please tell me about so, him. Because uh, if you know about him, I don't know about him. But I've only watched two episodes of... The end of the fucking world. I have to say, I slightly dragged my feet. Yes, I know. To you watching did. it, I was a bit like, Ugh. and Chester really dragged his feet. I was like, we are watching this together. Oh, I don't know. I said, get off your phone. Get yeah. off your phone. We're going to watch it together. Both of us were like, oh my goodness, can we watch another episode? Chester's addicted. We're going to watch it every night. I mean, we love it. So yeah. thank you so much. It's a total pleasure. I watched this last year. Sonny watched it and loved it and kept trying to get me to talk to, uh, to watch it. And I was dragging my heels. Joel started watching it and then I thought, I'll give it a whirl. Wow. Wow. It's really good. It's a very small, and I say small in the sense that there's, there's not many people in it. It's not, a, it's not one of these kind of dramas where they've got lots of extras and everything. It's a very tight little neat crew and a cast of actors. It's a really quirky, peculiar story. If you liked normal people, it's a kind of, it's a completely different story of, of a teenage relationship. Mm. I, I guess what you'd call it is alternative. It's an alternative mm. relationship. They're slightly quirky, odd people that find each other. Slightly quirky. They go on a funny journey. Mm. What you learn quite early on is the main character in it, which is a chap called James. He thinks he's a psychopath. Um, his Don't mo- spoil it for no, me. No, no, I won't. I won't sp- the, well, you learn this in episode one, I guess. And yes, but um, I'm not you just you uh, stressed the word thinks. Yeah, because he's not he's not sure whether he's a psychopath or not. Oh, he I thought he, he said, I'm, a psych- I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath, but he doesn't okay. really know whether he is or not. Um, his mum's committed suicide. Um, oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, did you not? No. Oh, I ruined that. Really? Mm. I thought you found that in episode one. No. Or were you not paying attention? Mm, I think I was paying attention. Really? Yeah. Has he put his hand in the fire and burnt his hand? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, I did find that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. His mum's killed himself. He lives with his dad. He's not feeling very much, and I think he thinks he's a psychopath. I think what's interesting is that if you've read the John Ronson book, The Psychopath Test, that's a real insight into the character, because anyone who reads that book also thinks they're a psychopath at some point when you're throughout reading it, and it, it, it worms its way into that drama quite nicely. Anyway, I first stumbled across this actor, um, Alex Lawther, in, a, in an episode of Black Mirror, and it's called Shut Up and Dance. And he's a young boy. I mean, he looks so young, doesn't he? he play, he's 17, I think, in The End of the Fucking World. But I think he, I mean, he'd get away with being 13 or 14. He looks so childlike, doesn't mm. he? So in Hang the DJ, he's a schoolboy, and he goes on the computer, on the internet, and um, he accidentally gets filmed by somebody. And then that person starts to blackmail him. And it gets really dark. The other person who's in it is Jerome, somebody or other, Robson and Jerome. Flynn. Jerome, Jerome Flynn. Flynn. He's in it as well. He's a, a, He's such a good yes. actor. And I don't understand why he's not in, more. in everything. Mm. He was in Game of Thrones. He was so good in that. Well, it, this is season three, episode three. It's called Shut Up and Dance. And that's where I stumbled across him. And then Joel has slightly fallen in love with this guy. So Joel, I cut Joel's hair recently and he wanted to look like... Alex. He is really cool. He's very cool, isn't he? And then, obviously, he appeared in this thing called The End of the Fucking World. There's two seasons of it. First season's on Netflix. The other season's on 4OD. So it's, they've not got that on Netflix yet. 
couldn't recommend it enough. Oh, it's on 4OD. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. But go onto YouTube and watch the trailer if you're interested at all. Um, the acting in it's fantastic, but the story's ace. And, and she's really, brilliant. really good. They're all Isn't brilliant. She? Season two gets, I would say, gets arguably better. Oh, really? So it's, it's not disappointing on any level. Guess what you get to do now? Um, don't know. Go eat ahead. your crisps. Oh, I can eat my crisps, and then I'm going to go and do a photo of the disco ball. Okay, yeah. great. I'm quite jealous that I'm not going to be with you. I've got uh, to go and uh, ferry my child yes. somewhere. Uh, and still keep watching I May Destroy You, people, because yes. we are going to talk We're about that in that. detail later. That's your um, homework. It's great to um, uh, speak to everybody. I Love had, you all. I, I had shout-outs to do, but I'm going to do them next week. I'll, I'll cling on to them. They're in the general Cling on to them. And uh, we'll do all that later. Sorry, I talked about sex for ages. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. Um, take care, everybody. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.